we have been going through the book of Philippians, but as we just kind of prayed and thought about what should we talk about uh, today, just kind of to celebrate this new season that we're in. And, and so we're going to pause from Philippians. We've just got one week left, and so we're going to finish that up next week. But today, I really just wanted to remind us of the vision that God has given us as a faith family. Uh, what does the word renewal mean? What does it mean to be part of um, the church of God, to be part of Renewal Church? What do, what do we believe um, as a faith family about God, about who he's called us to be? And so that's what we're going to look at uh, today. I do just want to make one comment because you can see kids running around all over the place. I love that. Um, we take a, a break from kids' ministry every summer, and so we'll begin that back at the beginning of August up to four years old. And so if your kid starts crying, it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I'm laser-focused up here, and so feel free to move around however you want to move. I love that we have the kids in here with us, um, and so, but I know I'm not that kid's parent, so you're like, you love it, but I'm stressed, right? Um, you do what you need to do. It doesn't bother me. Um, I'm just glad that you're here. Um, I want to read to you from Revelation 21, starting in verse 1 all the way to verse 5. I'm going to jump around a lot today, um, but I just want you to hear this as you think about renewal, that word renewal. What does that mean? Um, Revelation 21, starting in verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things well, it has been over three years since God planted Renewal Church. And as I have thought about everything that has happened since April 2019, uh, I was filled with a lot of emotions. I just kind of tried to reflect on it this week. Um, I was filled with a lot of gratitude, right? A lot of gratitude. We have seen Christ show his power, grace, and mercy in the lives of many. And I've sat and cried with many of you, um, and many of you have sat with each other through hard and difficult times, and God has shown what he's capable of doing, how he's capable of renewing us. Um, I can think of countless miracles, and I would call them miracles, and the lives of those sitting in this room. And as I look around, there's lots of people in here that I would, I'd count you as dear friends. And what's crazy is that most of us in this room didn't even know each other three years ago. <laughs> We had no, no idea, well, Katie's family is here, so I know them, um, but everybody else, you were all strangers, and, and, and so it's just so incredible to think about the work that God has done of the community that God has built, and so, but I would say that, um, just being real, um, as a faith family, we've seen just about everything, haven't we? Um, we, just like everybody else, um, lived through COVID. Um, and just the chaos that that brought, and the confusion that that brought, and the angst and anxiety um, that that brought from people all across the table. Um, we, we, we saw a world um, that went into chaos, and we as a faith family had to decide how to love each other, 
how to encourage one another, how to build up the church during a difficult um, time. And just being honest, I mean, we saw our lead pastor resign. I went on sabbatical. And all that whole situation caused a lot of pain for a lot of us in this room and a lot of pain that still exists. And we just have to be honest about that, right? That, that we've seen God do really, really great things, and we've also seen the realness of what it looks like when people try to share their lives together, right? That that can be hard. That can be, there will be, and we'll talk about this later, pain and hurt about that. But here's as I thought and prayed this week, the thought I just came, kept coming back to you. This group of people, right, this group of people, he's not done with us yet. He's not done with us. He's not done with renewing our hearts, bringing forth hope in our lives, and he's not done using us for the goal of bringing God's glory to people's lives, that they would experience the renewal of their heart. And here's the deal. Renewal church doesn't exist, right? We don't exist because we're really good human beings. We don't, we, we don't exist as a faith family because we're really good human beings or because we're really good Christians, right? That's not how it Words. It doesn't exist because we have good musicians. Renewal Church exists because God has determined that we will exist. It exists because God's word is final, and his word will always be final. It is what sustains us and holds us together. And so the question that I want to ask today is, is, okay, what are the truths that we as a faith family will always hold on to? What are the truths that we will continually come back to? If we're going to exist and call ourselves a church— then what does that mean, right? Who do, what do we believe about God? What do we believe about ourselves? So the question for today is, what does it mean to be part of God's renewal? And here's the first one. Here's the first one. God has one great purpose for the world. He has one great purpose for the world, and God's purpose is his glory. He created the world to show his glory, He created humanity so that we would see his glory. And when we see God's glory and respond with worship, we glorify him because we exist to enjoy, to have joy in the midst of the presence of God. That's the core and essential truth of our family, that we exist to enjoy, to have joy in the presence of God. Of God, that when God created us in Genesis 1 and 2, He created us with one intent that we would know the fullness of His glory, that He created us to enjoy Him, to experience His love, that in the garden in Genesis 1 and 2, that was a place of perfect peace, just perfection. Our relationship with God was perfect, it was full of life, it was full of fellowship, full of joy. Humanity's relationship with one another was perfect, it was a place of shalom, perfect peace. It's why in Genesis 127, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That we were created to know him. Like you were wired to want to know your God. We were created to display who he is in the world. Like you ever think about uh, why God gave us the law, right? Why did he say, um, hey, you shall not lie, you shouldn't lie. Well, think about it. Why shouldn't you lie? You shouldn't lie because you were not created. You were not intended to be a liar. That's not how you were created. You and I were created to be worshipers, to be people of truth. However, and we know this, despite that, we are liars, aren't we? We, 
We all have lied, whether we want to admit it or not. And that's the second truth that we'll always come back to, is that we have to admit that we are a broken people in a broken world. That we as a people, we have rebelled against God, and that rebellion has exiled us from the presence of God. We are a sinful, broken people who live in a cursed, broken world, and not, and this is important, not one of us can fulfill God's great purpose. On our own, we can't do it. When Adam and Eve disobeyed in Genesis 3, all the good things that God created, they were distorted. They were distorted. And the result was that was where there was once joy and freedom and peace, there was now shame, chaos, and judgment. All the relationships that were perfect in Genesis 1 and 2 are now imperfect in Genesis 3. Man's relationship with God, think about your own life, now marked with guilt, anger, conflict, shame, humanity's relationship with each other, right? Once perfect peace, live in harmony, now marked with conflict, sin, and confusion. Humanity's relationship with creation, now marked with famine, with toil, with disaster. When sin entered into the world, everything broke, including us. And that's sometimes hard to admit. Like There are so many churches who want to put on a perfect show that everybody in this room is perfect and we've got our lives together, but that's just not true. That's just not true. We are a broken people in a broken world. And every single person that has come since Genesis 3 There's something in our hearts that wants to rebel against God. There's something in our hearts that wants to run away from the goodness and grace of God. There's something in our minds that convinces us that he's really not that good, that he's a liar, that that he's not worthy of worship or giving and surrendering our lives to. There's something in us that wants to rebel against that idea, that wants to run away. That's why Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks God, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. So the question is, what does God do with that? What is God going to do? All the good things that he's created in Genesis 1 and 2 are distorted in Genesis 3. His image bearers are in rebellion. So the question of the Bible is, what will he do? And that's the third truth. That God has set forth a plan of renewal. That is who we are. That God has set forth a plan of renewal. That at the moment that humanity corrupted itself in God's good world, God set into motion his plan of renewal. And he is at work. He is at work restoring you, me, to their original purpose. That we would enjoy the presence of God. That God in his sovereignty, meaning his full authority and full knowledge and full providence, set forth in motion a plan to restore his people back to their original purpose, that his glory would be known and enjoyed, that we would know and experience and enjoy the presence of our great God. And you can see this plan beginning all the way back in Genesis 3. When God issues the curse in Genesis 3, he gives us a glimpse of his promise of renewal and redemption. He looks at Satan in Genesis 3.15, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is known as the proto-evangelium. Cool, fancy, fancy word for us. Um, it's the first announcement of the gospel. That one day someone will come who will be born of a woman and that person will defeat and undo what Satan has 
done. And then from that moment on, God begins his plan to bring back the renewal of our hearts. He comes to Abram in Genesis 12, and he says, I will bless you, and I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That he makes a covenant. And he says, and God sets in motion a plan to bring forth one person and a people from Abraham. And he says, through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He makes the same promise to Abraham's son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob that through the line of Abraham, God is going to bless all the peoples of the earth. And through that line, he will renew and restore. And I don't, by the way, this is not an exhaustive, you're like, is he about to go through every single person in the Old Testament? Uh, No, I am not. Um, This is a very general overview, right? And so, um, but, so let me say this statement. If you look throughout the Old Testament, um, if you look throughout the Old Testament, you will see that God is faithful to his people over and over and over again. Like, he loves you. He cares for you. But you also see that despite the blessing of God and the pursuit of God, the people of God will always revert back to rebellion. Brokenness throughout the Old Testament, throughout Scripture, it still exists. And that's why when you get to Ezekiel, God makes a declaration in Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart. A new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And he tells them, there is a day coming when I will take your brokenness, your distorted hearts, and I will put within you something new, that he will renew and restore what was broken. And so the question remains, well, how is he going to do that? Well, the entire Old Testament culminates in one message, that God is sending a Savior a savior to restore what was broken, a king that would come from that line of Abraham to bless all people. And that's why Isaiah 9, 6 says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then Malachi, the last book of the Bible, I love this text, Malachi 3.1, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, and then what does it say? He is coming. coming. He's coming. And then for 400 years, God is silent. He's silent. He says he's coming, and then it's just, Silent, and then in Mark 1.14, the Savior shows up, and it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel and saying what? The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus, the perfect Savior, the promised King, God in the flesh, now he is physically dwelling with his people, the one who would renew and restore all things. And so John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the one who spoke the world into existence in Genesis 1, the one who spoke to Moses through the burning bush, God himself became a man. He lived the life that we could not live, and he would ultimately die the death that we could not die. He came for one purpose, to renew and redeem, to make us new. 
I love Mark 8. It's one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. And in Mark 8, 31, he's sitting with his disciples. And then he, he tells them this. Peter confesses, hey, Jesus, I think you're the Christ. I think you're the one that we've been waiting for. I think you're the one that my grandma told. This isn't Scripture. This is, I'm saying probably what he thought. Um, you're the one that I think my grandma told me stories about, right? And in Mark 8, 31, it says he began to teach them that the Son of Man, so the king, the one who's going to be riding in on a horse at the end of all things, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He says, I must suffer. I must be rejected. I must die. So the question we have to ask is, why did, for our renewal, for our hearts to be revived, why did he have to die? Why was that so necessary? Well, Romans 3, 23 through 25 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He had to die because this world was broke. We're, we're broken. We can't fix ourselves. We can't renew ourselves. And then he says in 24, all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. As a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Like, think about your life. The people in this world, this, this world is broken. We are broken. The only way that we can be restored is through the blood of Christ. The only way that we can enjoy the presence of God is through the blood of Christ. That word propitiation, it means to appease the wrath of God. And make no mistake, without the blood of Christ covering our sin, we are under the wrath of God. But through the sacrifice of Jesus, he has made a way for us to enjoy the great purpose of God, to enjoy the presence of God, to know the glory of God, that if we receive by faith the blood of Jesus Christ, then we can be renewed. The exhaustion that you feel right now, the angst, the anxiety, the tiredness, the frustration, the only way that you can truly be restored and renewed and have hope and life and joy through the worst of circumstances, through the mundane of life, is through the blood of Christ. That's why Ephesians 2, 1 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in whom you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And then he says in verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Like, here's what we believe, if we're being real. Without Christ, we're dead, cold, lifeless, and Christ has made us alive. That is why we gather together for no other reason than a declaration, a humble approach to a king that says, thank you for destroying the curse of sin's tyranny in my life. You have destroyed it, you have eliminated it, and now I can sing, (laughs) I can laugh, I can be humble and love my brothers and sisters because I don't owe anything. I'm not trying to earn my place here. God has bought my place here. He's bought me with the price. Because I know I say all that, that Christ has made us alive, but a lot of you are like, man, Colton, you don't know my pain. 
You don't know my hurt. You don't know my frustration. I may not, but God does. And that's why the story that we're in right now between the death and resurrection of Christ and the return of Christ, that story is still incomplete because we still feel that pain, that there's something not right in this world. There's something not right with my marriage, with with my kids, with, with everything that this world is. There's something that doesn't feel right, and that's because the story's not over. That's why he says in Revelation 21, that I, I read it at the beginning, that one day there's a new heaven, a new earth, that he's preparing the church as a bride. And he says, I will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death shall be mo- no more. There, there won't be any more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he says, he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. It doesn't mean he's destroying something and then creating something new in its place. It means he's taking what's broken and not restored, and he's renewing it. He's restoring it. That one day he will completely restore what was distorted in Genesis 3. He will make all things new, complete redemption, complete renewal, complete restoration. And so when we gather here, it's, it's it's, it's simply... us saying, hey, we're not perfect, we're broken, we need help, we need each other, and so let's just worship together and ask God to cover us with the blood of Christ that we would sing together in that hope. So, who are we to be in light of this? Well, our mission statement says Renewal Church exists so that people will be made new in Jesus, grow in Jesus, and be released into the world for Jesus. And so the first thing that here that we're going to talk about is that we will be made new in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. Theologically, this means that you, if you are in Christ, that old you, that you that was dead, that you that was under the wrath of God because of your rebellion, that you is gone. The old has passed away. And too many of us try to live in the sins of the past thinking that we are not worthy of love. Christ has made you worthy of love. He has cared for you. He has loved you. He has died. And there is a new you. There's a new you that enjoys the presence of God. A new you that holds fast to the hope of Christ in the midst of suffering, a new you that doesn't settle for the things of this world, that doesn't compromise on lesser pleasures and self-serving affections because God has made us new. He has renewed us for something better, to worship something better. The new you looks at the sufferings of this world and declares, I will not lose hope. I will not lose hope. I will not forget the faithfulness of my God, I will not forget the grace of my Savior. And this is why Tristan read this earlier, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, so we do not lose heart. Because it's easy to lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. And that renewal that God has made you new, that has implications on everything in our lives. It means that through the power of the Holy Spirit, our marriages can be renewed. We've seen it here. It means through the power of the Holy Spirit, our frustration, our anxiety, our angst in this life can be 
renewed. It means that the way that we steward our money is renewed. That we don't spend our money on the American dream, the nicest car, the nicest house, the white picket fence, the perfect family. We, we, don't, we steward our money differently because the way we think about the world is renewed. It means the way that we handle our relationships is renewed. That the people here, they're not here for your glory. We don't walk around as if everyone here owes us something, as if we're trying to build our own little reputation. No, we are here to serve, to walk in humility with one another because God has shown us such grace that our lives are to display his glory and his purposes and to be made new in Christ is to declare that I don't belong to this world and I won't live my life according to its desires, but I have a renewed mind, a renewed heart. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So why does Renewal Church exist? It exists because God determines it exists, right? And Renewal Church is just a name. All that matters is the people, right? All that matters is one another and how we care for one another. So it exists to make people made new in Jesus, that they will experience God's great purpose. Second, Renewal Church exists so that people will grow in Jesus. Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ. We cannot be a people that are content with what the culture says a Christian is. We are not content with just showing up on Sunday and listening to a sermon and going home, well, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> I, I guess I'm a believer. No, too many Christians have taken the lifeblood out of the gospel and put Kool-Aid in its place so that it tastes better and it's easier for us to swallow. A, a life of a disciple of Christ is a light that is devoted to his passions. We love what he loves. We hate what he hates. We, we don't grow to be better people. We don't grow our reputation to look better for the crowds. We don't grow in our morality for the sake of being moral and standing over someone and judging them. We grow into Christ so that we will be more like Christ. We are a people that are devoted to his word and will take his word seriously, but we will also respond in humility. We are also a people that understand that we cannot do this alone. Faith was never meant to be lived out in privacy. Privacy. This life, this faith is meant to be done together. We cannot grow alone. God has wired us to do this one another, and this is why home groups are so important. That in order to grow in Christ, to be sanctified in this life, we need each other, which also means, which is pretty scary, that we have to be real with one another. That we have to be honest about our struggles uh, in this life, our struggles with sin, our struggles with anxiety, but we also have to be real because, and this is just being honest, we have to be real about our struggles with belief, about our faith, about the confusion that this world causes that we would say, God, I want to believe in you, and that we would have people walk with us through that journey of faith. Third, Renewal Church exists so that we will be released into the world for Jesus. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. Our God is a sending God. He has chosen in his wisdom and sovereignty to use his people to bring his glory in the earth. And what a humbling reality. 
That the God of the universe, the one who came from perfect heaven to broken earth, the one who died and rose from the grave, that that God would give us the task of sharing the gospel with a broken world. I mean, what a humbling reality. He says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. What a joy it is to be God's chosen instruments of redemption. And we want that reality as a people, that we are sent by God to, br- to bring forth God's renewal to be our rhythm, right? To be our rhythm. Now, here's where I start to get some pushback on this idea. When we begin to talk about the mission of God, um, you might be tempted to think, okay, Colton, this all sounds cool and awesome. I agree with you, but Colton, when we talk about the mission of God, you have to understand, I have so much going on. How many of you are busy? Yeah, everybody. Everybody's busy, right? That, that, we're all so busy. You have a job. You have responsibilities at home. You have kids that probably have a million activities, um, and then you got to be present at those activities. And so here's what I would graciously say to you before we talk about the mission of God. Too many times, we try to fit the mission of God into our busy lives, right? We've got Sunday mornings and maybe once or twice a week. That's kind of what we think of as the mission of God. Like, here's what I've got time for. Here's kind of what it looks like. There should be a slide up here. Abracadabra, okay. Um, So this is kind of what it looks like. I've got my life, and then I've got everything that entails in my life, all the stuff I have to do. And so when I go to church, they tell me I'm supposed to make disciples, and I've got to find a way to fit that mission into my life. Does that make sense? And what happens is when we try to do it like this is that we get exhausted. (laughs) We get exhausted, we get frustrated, and we start feeling ashamed about how much we're not doing for God because we think that the mission of God is something that we have to fit into our schedule, right? But that's not how it works. It's not this idea of, well, I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to share my faith. It's not that the mission of God is extra in our life, but if our rhythm of life matches, let's do an activity. I think I've done this like over a year and a half ago, but let's do an activity, okay? I want you to follow along with me, if you would. Ready? Isn't a slow clap just really fun? It just wakes me up. Okay, um, let's try it again. Ready? Ready? You couldn't do that? Why not? Because it made zero sense, right? That's not how a slow clap works. We have a rhythm in which we are meant to live in the mission of God because God has a rhythm in which he works. He has a rhythm in which he does things. So it's not that the mission is something extra. It's that we change the rhythm in which we live. We live. We infuse the mission of God into our lives, right? So here, let me give you an example. Because God has not renewed us for our sake. He hasn't. He has not renewed us for our sake. He has renewed us for his sake. And so there are six rhythms, right, that we see God work in scripture, how, he, how his mission goes out um, in, throughout the word of God. And so our goal is that our life would be infused with those same rhythms, that we would walk in those rhythms, because we have a rhythm of the way we live our lives, We have places we go, things we do, but it's not so much about changing the places we go 
Because you're always going to go to work, you're always going to eat, you're always going to do the same things every single day, but it's changing the way in which we do those rhythms. And so here's the first rhythm that we are to walk in, that we see God do in Scripture, that God shows his renewal throughout Scripture, through us, he shows it through us by joining his mission to display his glory, that when we walk and join in God's mission, we would walk in displaying his glory, right? Our lives are a declaration that there is something that's better. There is something that is, not, that, that is worthy, actually worthy of our time, our attention, and our worship, something better, that our lives should not center on a reality that makes us the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story, and he always will be. So walking in a rhythm of mission as renewal is displaying, no, he gets the glory. It's not about me. It's about him. Second, God shows his renewal through us by joining his mission to display real community. Since the beginning of all things, before creation, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit lived in perfect community with one another. Perfect community. And he created us in his image to enjoy that same community. That we would know what it looks like and feels like to be loved, to be cared for, to be encouraged. And so we walk in a rhythm of mission by displaying to the world, here's what it looks like to actually be cared for. Here's what it looks like to be loved. Here's what it looks like to be encouraged. Here's what it looks like to walk in confidence in who you are and who God is. And that we would also display what it looks like to look like, uh, what it looks like to be a community that actually knows how to forgive. That we would learn what it looks like as a community to know what it looks like to have conflict, but then to forgive one another. Because there will be hurt, there will be pain. So how, the bigger question, is, I think, is how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to cause more chaos and confusion? Or are we going to respond in humility and in kindness? Third, God chose his renewal through us by joining his mission to display his love. Because the world has watered down what it means to love. It just has. So what's it look like for a group of people to show the world what it looks like to actually have a committed love. To come alongside people and encourage and say, hey, there is a God who cares. There is a God who loves you. Fourth, God shows his renewal through us by joining his mission to display his justice. The world is full of injustices. I don't think any of us would argue anything different. The world is full of injustices. It's full of people who have been hurt, who have been uh, ostracized, who have been in pain. It, it, it's full of compromised truths. It's full of pain and evil. So let's be a people that care for justice, right? Who see what justice is, true justice in Scripture, and say, hey, we will care for what's right. We will walk with people who are hurting. We will walk with the poor. We will bind up those who are hurting. We will walk with people who have suffered injustice. And we will display the reality that Christ, at the end of all things, will be the final justice. His death on the cross, his blood covering us, is justice. The payment of sin for his people is the blood of Christ. And that's what we will live out. Fifth, God shows his renewal through us by joining his mission to display his redemption. There is no sin so grave that God cannot redeem. It's not possible. There isn't anything you could bring to God and say, hey, look, I don't know if this is a much to cover my sin, 
but like, here's what I got, right? It doesn't work. There is no sin so grave that God cannot redeem. So let's be quick to tell the story of God's redemption, of God's renewal. Let's be quick to share the truth of God that God has bought us. He's bought us with a price and that our God can redeem. He can redeem. Six, God shows his renewal through us by joining his mission to send out others. A disciple of Christ makes disciples of Christ. So let's display God's renewal by being a people that invests into the lives of other people for the sake of God. The mission of God, this isn't, this isn't something that we add on to ourselves as a church. It's also not something that we create an event for, <laughs> right? The mission of God is just something that we do. It's a rhythm that we walk in, and practically this means that wherever we go, we are on mission. Like, ask yourself the question, where are you already with people who don't know the truth of the gospel, who think that there's something um, better, something that is more worthy of their attention, of their affections than Christ? Where are those people? I can almost guarantee that you interact with them. So the mission of God isn't something that we need to make an event for. It's being real in the, people, in the lives of people and walking with them in kindness and gentleness and telling the truth of the gospel, right? And we also want to be a people that understand the reality that there are over 2 billion people in the world who have never heard the name of Jesus. And I'm just being honest, this may make you want to leave, um, but I am praying that God would raise up singles, would raise up families with kids, would raise up retired people, to go, to go to the nations, to go to the nations and say, Christ is risen, that God would raise up people to go to the places where the name of Jesus has never been heard. The last thing I want to do here is remind you of our values, and so um, remind you of our values. I'm not going to read them all. They'll show up on the screen. They're also on our website, but I think these are important for us to remember, um, that and this is kind of accountability too. Like whoever's preaching up here, me, myself or one of the elders, these are the things that we should always be coming back to as a faith family, right? If, if God's great purpose, his glory is our destination, then these are the guardrails that help us make sure that this is where we're going. The first one is Jesus. We always want to talk about Jesus. I remember when I was uh, like 22, I preached a sermon and there was a Hindu there and they came up to me and they said, I agree with everything you said in your sermon. And I went, Oh, no, <laughs> because I didn't talk about the gospel. Every time we want to talk about the gospel and who Jesus is, right? So first one is the person of Jesus, and the second one is the gospel itself, what Jesus has done, right? We want that to be at the forefront of everything that we do. Next, we want to be biblical. We want to stay true to the word of God. Everything we want to do, we want to find that motivation and that reason in Scripture, and we want to stay true to that. We also want to be intentional. God has been intentional with us and how he has saved us. So we want to be intentional with one another. We also want to be simple here. We want to be simple. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why we chose this place, because it became complicated to meet at North Belton Middle School with all the setup and everything. And so part of us going to this decision to come here is that it was more simple, right? It makes it, we can focus more on one another and not so much on curtains, Right? And I'm thankful for all the people who put up curtains. But we can focus on one another. We have more space and more time to do that. Um, next is people. We want to value people. Every single person who comes into our community, 
We want to value them. We want to get to know them. We want to love them. We, want to, we value commitment, right? God has been committed to us, and so we want to value our commitment to God and our commitment to one another. And then lastly, we want to value multiplication. God did not create us to stay stale. He created us to send, right? That you would be discipled, invested into, but that you would also have others that you are investing into. God created us to multiply. I'm not just talking about having kids, right? But he created us to multiply disciples, to um, expand the kingdom of God.